I, Dan had mentioned I was going to mention this this Friday night, April 6th, and this is for and anybody's welcome to come, but we do want RSVPs, and I'm going to have a, uh, the sign-up sheet up here this morning. We've had a number of people, I think we've had like 40 or so already RSVP. It's, uh, in, in a sense, it's a Good Friday service, but it's not a service. It's going to be like this festive meal. We're going to be at the clubhouse, the field. It's being catered by Scotty's, so uh, Scotty's kind of food, so... Um, and it's free. It's all, actually, it's all paid for by the same grant that is helping fund the sabbatical that I uh, will be having. So it's basically, the way I've described it, it's a festive, interactive sharing time about what God's done in our lives. So we'll have, we'll have all kinds of things around the table and other things where we talk about among ourselves about, you know, kind of the stones of remembrance in our lives. Some of these kind of your story matters questions, but instead of about pranks, we might share, hey, t- tell, tell, tell people in your group uh, when you were baptized and where. Or tell people who was a real spiritual influence in your life. We'll have other things like that. So it's going to be a really fun, we'll start off with communion around each table. So it'll be that uh, because it is Good Friday, but we're not going to be Good Friday in a somber way. It's going to be celebration because I think that's what God wants us to do, celebrate what God's done in our lives. So uh, this Friday night, 6.30, I will have this up here, and I'll remind you at the end, just to, if you're interested in coming, again, it's free. And what we've even said is if you are a couple that has, have children that need babysitting, um, we'll provide $10 per babysat child to help offset your cost of babysitting in your home because we aren't able to provide t- child care because we want to make sure that no, no obstacles like that exist. That's this Friday. All right, and the next one, we have been talking about like stones of remembrance. Go to the next slide there, Chip. And uh, this is what the series has been on, how remembering and remember what God's done in your life. And again, some of you know that I have a, already had a few weeks, but I'll have a sabbatical coming up after, after April 15th where uh, I have a chance to be away from, not away from you. I mean, Dan, don't, please, Dan, don't write one of those letters for me. I can't wait to get out of here. You know, you know. Um, but it was, it's all around, and I, this is a, a, a a grant that was received from the Eli Lilly, Eli Lilly Corporation Foundation. It's all around uh, stones of remembrance and how important for me it is, I think for all of us to revisit places in our lives of significant times where God showed up. And my guess is Trevor and Vanessa, if you ask them, they could probably identify people or places that were significant in, their, in that particular journey they were having. But we, uh, some of you know, in the last few weeks, my wife and I and four kids all went to Europe for two weeks, funded by Eli Lilly. And I'm just going to share three brief things. So some of you have asked about my trip. This is my one-slide slideshow, all right? No home movies, nothing else, all right? But uh, this, is, this is examples. And again, some of you, all of you have some of the same kind of things, all right? Upper left, I'm on, sitting on the post office steps in the town of St. Thomas, Austria, which is no bigger than Unionville in here. You know, it's a small, dinky town. But I was there for two summers on a summer mission thing, and it was on those very post office steps where I remember writing in my journal, and I found the journal entry, that I really felt like God was calling me away from being a high school teacher, and it was into ministry. It was midnight on some night 25 years ago, so long time ago, but it was in those very steps with that, probably that very journal. I'm not like overly nostalgic, but it's not just remembering, but it's, it, it was there where I remember writing and I reread it. God, I think you're setting me aside for life of ministry. And I'm not sure what it all entails, but I know this is what you're asking me to do. So I wanted to go back there for me to remember for my wife and my kids to see, all right? That was, that was kind of one stone of remembrance for me. And again, um, 
significant in my life. Second one, and you can't really see on the far right where I have the sweatshirt on, uh, right above the door frame, it says 1752. It's etched in the doorpost of the, of the home. That was built by my great, 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 great grandfather, Urs Nussbaum. All right. I'm glad my parents didn't pick that name as a family name to pass on. Uh, this is an hour north of Bern, Switzerland. And uh, my ancestors from that part of the world all uh, were followers of Jesus and actually left Switzerland and came to the United States because of persecution there. And so I'm, I'm fortunate that God gave me a really godly heritage and the blessings have been passed through generations. It's just kind of neat to be able to uh, see a house that one of my ancestors built that was a solid follower of Jesus, all right? Uh, that was another stone. The bottom one is, some of you may recognize, it's uh, uh, Omaha Beach at Normandy. No, I wasn't there, and my dad wasn't there, anything like that. But if you've been around Exodus enough, you know I'm kind of a D-Day uh, nut because D-Day for me is a really good analogy of what the role of the church is. Uh, invasion to set people free who are held, held in oppression by the enemy. So that's always been my understanding of what the church's role is to, whether it's like what Trevor and Vanessa talked about, is our, our role is to be used by God to bring freedom to people who are stuck in oppression and to and defeat the enemy. And it's risky, and it's dangerous, and it's life-threatening at times. And I'm not trying to be overly dramatic about the role of the church and underly dramatic about the real D-Day, but I think the drama of spiritual freedom is not uh, is is as as intense and more eternally valued than D-Day was, and I'm not trying to demean D-Day, but you understand what I'm saying. That's that's why we interview Trevor and Vanessa. That's why we talk about those kind of things because the church is not a uh, church is not a cruise ship. Remember the TV show Love Boat? Anybody seen that? The Love Boat. Da 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 da. You can probably YouTube it and watch it. But the, some people think church is a love, like a cruise ship where Dan and I are the captains and our job is to make sure everybody's happy and content and we just get there and get to heaven and we're all happy. My understanding is what the Bible talks about, it seems like the, the church is more like a battleship, a Normandy battleship, where our job is to accomplish a mission along with others. There's other ships going into Normandy as well. They're called Sherwood Oaks and Vineyard and Evangelical Community Church and St. Paul's Methodist Church. They're, they're with us, and we're trying to cooperate with what God's mission is and to set people free. So that's where that's, that comes from. And for me, revisiting those places gives me more courage into the future and into the present. So it's not just about nostalgia. Biblical remembering always was you remember because it will give you some kind of confidence and trust in the future. So it's not just a soul. So I'm just going to encourage you. Some of you may have your own places or people or stones. To remember, if you were here last Sunday, Jerry Root spoke. Jerry's kind of one of my people stones in terms of in, his influence in my life. So a lot of you have those as well. Um, next slide. Uh, you know, skip ahead here, Chip. Okay. Um, we've been talking about remembering. In the book of Deuteronomy, and of course, I've just, we've referred to that a little bit, just what I was sharing. And uh, one of the things um, that Moses, and again, let me go to the next slide, let me give the context, and I'm going to give you the, the overview picture of what, I'm, what I want to say today. If you remember that the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt, the far yellow dot over there. They were slaves. Remember, Joseph had gotten there. They grew in number. The Pharaoh was a little bit threatened, so he enslaved all the Jewish people. 
And then uh, Moses steps onto the scene. God uses Moses after these people were slaves for many, 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 many years and many, many, many generations. God uses Moses, sets them free. They cross the Red Sea. God does some supernatural intervention to break them out of their uh, slavery. I think the word, what, Vanessa used the words shame, guilt, and something. Yeah, and just that the, the, the slavery is a life of shame and guilt and fear. And that was what the children of Israel experienced in Egypt. That's what Trevor and Vanessa are talking about. That's what you and I struggle with when we're trying to break out of things in our life. Whether they're big addictions or small addictions, every kind of sin is basically an addiction to something we think is giving us life instead of God. So anyway, they travel through, is, uh, they take 40 years, you remember, to go through the Sinai Peninsula because some sin issues, some stupid rebellion on their part, and God only allows so many of them to pass through. But on the upper right yellow dot, they're about ready to cross the Jordan River, which is a boundary into the promised land. Because God's, God, this whole thing was because God was saying, I'm going to give you this land. It's a land of promise. It's a land of, that will thrive. You will thrive there. You will be my people. We'll have this relationship between God and people that will be unlike any other. And joy and life and goodness and all those things will transpire. So they're about ready after all these years of slavery and these 40 years of meandering, wandering, they're about ready to cross over the river. And Deuteronomy is basically an account of Moses' last speech before they crossed. Moses was not going to be allowed to cross. He had, done some, he had disobeyed God in the situation, and God said, I'll let you see it, but you're not going to cross into it. And so they're about ready to cross. Deuteronomy literally means the second law. So Moses was just repeating things God had already said to them. And the book of Deuteronomy includes the word, it's just the whole theme of remembering. Don't forget, remember, don't forget, remember, don't forget. That, that's, the, what, that's what goes through there. So it's, if you're in a situation where you're about ready to transition to a different stage of life, and maybe it's a big transition, maybe it's a small transition, it's always good in those transitions to stop and remember what God's done in the past in your life because that will remind you of his faithfulness in your present as you step into the future. And that's why we remember. We don't remember for spiritual nostalgia. Oh, it's just so good that God did that and God is good. No, it's remembering because then we're reminded that God is a powerful God and he can do anything. He can deliver, he can heal, he can do anything. And our willpower often, more often than not, and usually never will get us there. So anyway, so he gets up... uh, um, He's about right. And so this, this particular day, I wanted to share a few things. Go to the next slide. Because I want to I just real quick remember what slavery was like. All right? Think about Trevor and Vanessa's uh, conversation. Think about your own experience. But this is what was happening to the children of Israel. And this is what um, was going on before they were released from Egypt. All right? This is Exodus chapter 1. And I said, we don't know exactly, but we know it's sometime in that time frame of the BCs. All right, so the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. I mean, just notice the words, brutal, crushing. They forced them to build the cities of Python and Ramesses as supply centers for the king. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter forcing them to mix mortar and to make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. All right, what's, what does being a slave feel like? 
All right, Vanessa Mel mentioned guilt and shame. Somebody else, just shout out a word. What, what, what's that? Oppressive. Oppressive. What was that? Trapped. Trapped, I just said crap. <laughs> Trapped. Trapped, oppressive, guilt, shame. The word here is bitter. They made your lives bitter. Tired, weary. You wake up at the same old thing. We're never going to get out of this. We're stuck. Scary. Because you're always living in fear of what your slave master that day may or may not do to you. What was that? Hopeless. All right. So we've got guilt, we've got shame, we've got hopeless, we've got tired, we've got weary, we've got trapped, we've got oppressed. What makes you feel that way? I mean, my guess those exact words Trevor and Vanessa could have used. I could use for issues in my life in the past. I could use issues in my life now. Where even then, they may not be major, major. There's things where I think, I, I can't seem to break out of this way of thinking and acting. And I know it's not life-giving for my wife, my kids, my friends, and my neighbors. I know it's kind of, you know, it, it, it sucks life out of people. So every one of us understands those patterns in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships with others. We understand those patterns that we really don't want to put on display for everybody to see because the words like guilt and shame and trapped and bitter and miserable and weary are stamped all over it. And we don't want people to see that about us. But we know deep down inside that's what's driving some stuff in our lives. And we know this is not the life that Jesus said he came to give us. But what's hard is and what's frustrating is we don't always know how to get out of it. All right? So this is what they were feeling the whole sla- and they, you know, this whole slavery. And it went on for ge- generations. This is what God rested them from. Now, boom, fast forward 40 years. Uh, or more than 40 years, but now they're getting ready to cross over. I wanna, there's, a, there's a phrase that appears five times in the book of Deuteronomy that I think is interesting to note why in the world Moses is saying this, all right? Uh, first, I'll just, we'll kind of flash through these. Deuteronomy chapter five is part of the 10 commandments and this, its commandment is observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Don't work that day. And then he says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. That's why the Lord God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. It's one of those things like, wait a minute, what, how does resting on Sunday or the Sabbath day connected to, remember you were slaves? I mean, that, but we'll get to that. But that's, remember you were slaves in Egypt. First time Moses says it. All right, jump ahead. Deuteronomy chapter 15. When you release a male servant, don't send him away empty-handed. Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty which the Lord your God has blessed you. Read this with me. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. That's why I'm giving you this command. All right? So he's remembering, but you'll notice every time it's remembering, there's an action that they're encouraged to do. All right? Next one. Deuteronomy 16. Then celebrate the festival of harvest, honor the Lord your God. Celebrate with your sons and daughters, your male, female servants, the Levites from your towns, foreigners, orphans, and widows who live among you. Read it with me. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. So be careful to obey all these decrees. Again, this is Moses' big speech. So if, if you were like me, you, you would have been sitting there and saying to your wife, is that the third time you said that? Yeah, it's the third time you said that. 
All right, keep going. Deuteronomy, uh, did we just skip? Yeah, 24. True justice must be given to foreigners living among you and to orphans. You must never accept the widow's garment as security for her debt. Read it with me. Always remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you from your slavery. That's why I've given you this command. And then one more, I think, also from Deuteronomy 24. Same thing. When you beat the olives from your olive tree, don't go over the boughs twice. Leave the remaining olives for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. You notice that's appeared two or three times now. When you gather the grapes in your vineyard, don't glean the vines after they are picked. Leave the remaining grapes for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. Read it with me. Remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. All right? So Moses is saying, don't, don't forget those times in your life where shame, fear, guilt, bitterness, trapped. Don't forget those times in your life. And then it's, there's action tied with it. So go to the next. So this, in a nutshell, remember your rescue. My guess is if you heard Vanessa and Trevor talk about their first experiences with whether there's this guy that mentored Trevor, first experiences with this kind of interaction, and in this case, a Celebrate Recovery group, it would probably generate, you'd probably see some, some brightness in their eyes as they remembered not only what, was, what it was like before, they remembered how God started bringing them back to wholeness and healing. Yes, remembering the painful stuff is painful. You know, I wouldn't, Trevor wouldn't, Vanessa wouldn't, and you wouldn't want to spend a lot of time recounting the pain of those addictions in your life. But when you start talking about the ways God has brought you out of that, then we, kind of, we start lighting up because you realize that it wasn't our willpower that brought us in, but God brought us in. And I want to, I want to ask two questions from this morning. And uh, they're related to the text, related to this whole thing. Here's the first question. And this, let me explain why this question is important. Who needs your generosity today? Uh, you're noticing those passages. Moses is saying, leave extra olives on the trees. Leave, leave extra food in the fields. When you let go, when you release a servant, give them, be generous with them. And then Moses says, don't forget you were slaves in the land of Egypt. So there's something about remembering that you were once in a bad situation. And when you remember that, you start giving other people a, a type of generosity, not just financial, but even kind of a spiritual generosity. Example, um, every one of us has something in our life that has hurt us. Right? I mean, you can probably think of people right now that. And then, but then when you step back and you remember kind of your own goofiness, your own kind of ways, and maybe sometimes, sometimes you still act certain ways and you realize that you hurt others, and you remember your slavery that you used to, you know, you, then when I look at someone else who may be kind of goofy, then I'm, a little, I'm more generous to them because I'm realizing, you know what, I was once in a bad situation. It was interesting last week, and if you were here last week, Jerry Root was speaking, but I had, we had a real long lunch with him, and he was talking about situations in his ministry life where he had been treated really poorly. And it was interesting because 
I, and I knew, some of the pe- I knew some of the personalities involved. So he's sharing me what happened and what this person said and what this letter they wrote said to him. And, and I'm getting angry at this guy and this guy. And I'm thinking, man, well, the more Jerry talked, the more he started making me feel sorry for these guys, like empathetic, like it wasn't, they really weren't trying to hurt me, Matt. They just, and, and, I, and it was incredible because I thought here Jerry had kind of, and it was kind of a light bulb for me. He'd realized that forgiveness will show itself in the fruit of kind of a compassionate empathy. Where you look at somebody else that you think, I can't believe they did that to me. And you start thinking, you know what? There's probably some reasons why they act that way. They probably had some unfortunate slavery of their own past. And maybe they haven't been set free yet. But what can I do? How can I show them generosity? And of course, it also means generosity toward others who have less than you financially, who are in dire situations of life. Because the whole thing Moses is saying to these people, where you are today has nothing to do with your own ability. God brought you here. Your bank account today has nothing to do ultimately with you. It's what God's done in you and how God's gifted you. What you own, what you have has nothing to do with what you, ultimately with what you've done. Yeah, we've worked hard and you've worked hard, but ultimately you're in a situation of life where you have generosity to offer others. And that's why Moses is saying, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget kind of what your life could have been like and what it was like, all right? So that's one, who needs you to generosity? Second thing, and this is only the second and last question, uh, what are you trusting God to do? And, and I'll, I'll tie this in. Moses said, or actually God was saying this to Moses, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, don't work. And then he says, remember you were slaves in Egypt. And, and all week this week I was trying to think, what in the world? What does remembering I was a slave in Egypt have to do with the fact that I don't go out and work hard on the Sabbath day or I have a, have a rhythm of rest in my life? I don't get that. And the more I thought and read and kind of pondered this, when, we have, when you build rest into your life, times of reflection, rhythms of rest or whatever, you're essentially acknowledging that you're dependent upon God and that you don't have to keep the gerbil wheel going to keep ahead in life. And, you, and it's really a statement of trust when you can actually put down your to-do list and just kind of reflect and enjoy and rest. And so in that sense, uh, what is it you're, what is, are, are you able to trust God to bring about healing and hope in your life? And the, don't, right now, don't get lost in, the, okay, you don't have to be doing that on Sundays only. I'm not saying that. But are you, are you exhibiting a life where you can trust what God is going to do in your life. Um, you know, Vanessa and Trevor talked about we tried everything, willpower. And maybe some of you, and I can relate to this too, you, we've tried the willpower thing, and it doesn't seem to move the ball farther down the field at all. But then when you back off and you, kinda, and you trust God and you say, God, whatever you want to do. You know, I've talked to some of you, and I know, I know there's people in here who have marriages that are s- stressed. I know there are people here who have habits they can't break. I know there are people here who have financial anxieties they don't know what to do with, future fears. And the issue is, okay, if God can say, look back, and you were once slaves in Egypt, and maybe it wasn't your past, but you can at least look back at what God's done in the story of our ancestors, the Israelites, and if God can bring peace and joy out of hopelessness, 
Don't ever think you can't do that in your situation. Don't ever think, ah, oh, my marriage is hopeless. My life is hopeless. My career is hopeless. My financial status is hopeless. My private personal habit life is hopeless. Don't ever, ever give in to that. Don't ever resign yourself to it's hopeless. But always remember that God can do, and the Bible says he will carry on to completion whatever he started. So when Moses is telling the children of Israel, he's saying, you know what, you're going to have some tough days ahead as you go into the promised land. Don't ever forget that you were slaves. And don't ever forget that I redeemed you. I brought you out of that and I can do it again. Don't ever forget that nothing in your life is beyond God's intervention. Don't ever forget that. Don't give in to kind of what this, what I'll call Christian fatalism. Well, it's just the way it's going to be. But if there's something in your life that's broken, hurts, hangups, habits, whatever, um, remember that God is in the business of setting slaves free. That's what he does. So if nothing else, etch the word hope on your brain and let it flash a neon light because that's what, that's the gospel is. It's the hope that I will, that God says that I will do it again. I mean, the, the Bible's full of referring back to the Exodus all the time because God's saying, don't forget that because I can do that again and I'll do it again and I'll do it in your marriage. I'll do it in your life. I'll do it in your financial. I'll do it in your anxiety. I'll do it. I will do it again. Just let me stop trying to control me. That's what God would say to us. Try trying to control how I'm going to do it. Just let go and follow me and see what I can do in your life. Um, go to the next one, actually. Is there, an, is there a next one? No, well, this is the last one. That's right. We'll finish with this because we take communion every week at Exodus. Paul was writing to the church in the New Testament, you know, hundreds of years later from the Exodus. And he says, for he, Jesus, has rescued us. Again, this whole idea of rescue He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. The the table of communion as well as the whole story of the gospel is about people going from slavery to freedom. Guilt, shame, bitterness, weariness, tiredness, trapped, oppression. Freedom, joy, strength, life-giving, peace. All right? The only way from here to there is the way of trust. It's not the way of willpower. It's not even the way of just, I'm going to try harder. It's the way of moving forward and trusting and saying, Jesus, whatever you want to do in my life, because this is the kind of person I want to be. Break Break the chains, break the shackles, but you do it your way, God. I'm done trying to do it myself. All right, here's how we do community exodus. We're going to sing a couple more songs. And as we're singing, you're invited to come on up. We don't dismiss by rows. We don't see who's up or who's down. But uh, we'll be people at each of the aisles, and they'll have bread. And they'll, they'll offer you the bread. You tear off a piece. They'll offer you a cup, and you just dip the bread in. We That's how we do it here. No deep reason for that other than just dip it in. Most people eat it right here. Some people take it back to their seat. It's up to you. Um, during, at the same time, there's people in the room in the back there that says prayer under the big B under the backboard there to pray for you. And the sense is this. There's, there are some of you here today when I was just in the end talking about kind of uh, resignation to your slavery or resignation to your 
dark habits, bad marriage, or whatever it is, there are some of you, many of us probably, that just need a renewed sense of hope. Renewed hope when God says, don't forget what I've done in the life of the Israelites thousands of years ago, but that's the same God as we have today. He can do that again. So don't let that hope die out. And maybe you just need somebody to pray for you for renewed hope. Maybe that's what you need. Just, just, that, that may be all you need to tell them. You just pray for me that I have renewed hope. All right? Uh, let me pray, and then we'll sing, and then we'll take communion. Jesus, we are grateful uh, that you rescued us. And again, it sounds, it sounds uh, weak to acknowledge we need rescue, but we also know what your word says is that in our weakness, we actually find our strength. So God, uh, we come to you as weak people who know that you then give us strength because we want to be full of strength and joy and peace. So Jesus, we're grateful uh, that by your blood on the cross, you broke the chains and you set us free. And now we can be life-giving, full of joy, uh, full of life people. That's the kind of people we want to be. And that's the kind of people we believe you alone can make us. And we're grateful and we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.